Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the word. We give God glory for everything, even for the Lions win last night. Oh, come on, somebody. Watching that game, and I told my wife, I said, honey, the Detroit Lions better never get rid of Amon Ross St. Brown, right? You never get rid of that guy. And there's just certain players on teams that teams need to hold on to. Well, I just want you to know, River of Life has got some awesome ministers and people that we need to hold on to. And one of them is my favorite preacher of all time, and he's going to bring the word to us this morning, and it's Pastor Steve. He's our St. Brown. Come on. Come on, St. Brown. Come on, show Pastor Steve some love, guys. This guy... This guy goes up and above all the time, him and Lindsay, all the work they're putting in at worship team. He represents, I don't know, probably a hundred of y'all in his ministry. And as people come to the church, this is one of the first ministries they jump in and they're interested in. And so he's got that task of weeding through there. Amen. Finding a place for people. But there's a lot of, we are blessed every week by this guy's work. He's here all week, business hours, him and Lindsay. Then every Thursday night, puts in the work. He prays over every song. I don't get in there and t- give him a list of songs. I love it when he sings songs that line up with the message, and that's that's just something we flow together as brothers since when we ministered in the homeless shelter on, on Gratiot from back in the day. And so the Lord has just uh, has had his hand upon us as brothers and family, and yes, we're real brothers. He's mom's favorite, but that's okay. We're... Uh, uh, and so but he's also one of my best, he's a teacher of the word. So we've been talking about hope and I'm just anxious to hear what he has to say. So open your Bibles, your notebooks. Those are the, uh, those of you at home, you're gonna get in for a real treat. So amen. Pastor Steve, love you, brother. Amen. Thank you for those kind words, brother. Love you, appreciate you. Mom, love you too. You know that. Favor ain't fair, y'all. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Oh, man, I tell you what, it's good to be here today. I am so excited to be here today. There is a preach in the house, amen. Come on, somebody. Pastor Eddie was dancing all over this message this morning, so I'm going to just kind of piggyback off of that because a lot of what he said was in my paper. But I did want to give an awesome shout-out. It's good for, as a father, I got my son here from the Navy, my daughter from college, my spiritual daughter in the front row as well, and and my other two, I'm stuck with them, they're not gone yet, but glad to have all six of us in the house of the Lord today, and, uh, and it, it, it's, I'm excited for that, and, and um, I, I find it a privilege and an honor to, to bring this word, so why don't you stand to your feet, and let's get into the word this morning. Turn to your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. I will say this, we do have a lot of scriptures today, probably more than I can get into, but if you have something to write with Please jot some of these scriptures down. Our tech team, I already gave them a heads up. There's a lot of slides today, but uh, hopefully what I want to give, what the Lord has given me, I want to give it to you. So please give me permission to do so. But let me just encourage you, if you have something to write with, you want to jot some of these scripture references down and kind of study them through the week. But this is our text this morning, talking about hope. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope. Everybody say living hope. 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved for you and me in heaven, who are kept by the power of God. Everybody say kept. Say living hope. Kept. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in this last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials and tribulations. Somebody say amen to that. That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. Hope. Having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, the receiving, the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus, we come before you one more time this morning thanking you, Lord God, that we can celebrate your birth, but Lord, we celebrate what you came to give and came to do. Father, we just pray that you would continue to be in our midst. Lord, you continue to speak. Lord God, I just hide behind the cross this morning as a servant of a vessel used of honor today. May your words come through my mouth, Lord, and speak to your people. Words of encouragement, words of edification, words of of inspiration, words of hope. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated today. So I got, a, I got a couple of, we've just been on this illustration kick lately, so I said, hey, I want to join in on that. I love illustrations. And so I got a couple here for you today, and one of these is a good old gift done by my awesome, lovely wife. And you know, we had a lot going on last week, but we didn't get to give her and the ladies a shout out for that awesome Christmas party that they did. Ladies, how many, let's hear you, how many were blessed by that Christmas party? She did a great job and all the women that were there. But this is the season of giving gifts. How many like to receive gifts? Let's have a little survey. How many like to receive gifts? Y'all a bunch of liars because there's only about 20% of the hands up in the air today. I don't know about you, but we all love to receive gifts. Let's take a little survey, okay? How many of you think you're a really good gift giver? You just knock it out of the park every holiday, every birthday. Come on, hold them up. Let me see. Okay, how many of you would be honest and say, not my thing, I strike out all the time? Okay. (laughs) I feel the love. I've I've had a few of mine returned, okay? Not that I'm bitter, but a little bit. How many of you would proudly say that you are a re-gifter? Come on, anybody in here that would say for some reason? Oh, nobody wants to admit to that. How many was for, I mean, whether you didn't like it or maybe you didn't unwrap it and you needed a gift to take to the Christmas party, so you just, hey, I'll pay myself back later. Come on, re-gifters. Okay, all right. Thank God for honesty. How many of you are the save the rappers and the bows for next season? Come on, let me see you guys, you crooked people that want to stifle the joy of shredding that paper. Put your hands down. That paper's going to be outdated next year. (laughs) Last but certainly not least, how many of you are what you would consider an early opener? How many of you would love, look at you, some of y'all. Now my wife is standing to her feet. I have already opened two Christmas gifts in our house. My wife is one that loves to spread joy and cheer, and she don't care. Her birthday is in August at the end of the month, okay? August 1st, she wakes up and says, it's my birthday month, what do I get today? I think that song, 12 Days of Christmas, was written for my wife, because she likes to take things and celebrate it early, but how many would join her? Let me see the hands, early gifters. How many of you are Christmas morning unwrappers? How many of you are Christmas Eve unwrappers? Okay, all right. 
In our house, we are a Christmas Eve family. We, do, we did Christmas morning, and the kids got up too early, so we slept in. So we, uh, we have a, we, and every Christmas Eve, we come, we gather, whether we have service or we don't, we gather in our living room. We always read the Christmas story out of Luke. We have a moment of our children, and sometimes I'll let them read it, but usually I read it. And then we'll talk about it. We'll have a moment of prayer, and we'll thank God and reflect, and then we'll open our presents. But this is the season of giving gifts. This is the time of year that we're giving and receiving gifts. Hopefully it's not re-gifted. Sorry, Lindsay. Hopefully it's not re-gifted. Hopefully it's not paper from last year. Hopefully it's not somebody else's gift that they didn't like in return. But this is when we give and receive gifts. Because listen, the truth is we get offended when we give somebody a gift and they don't like it, don't we? It hurts. We take it personal. We buy them clothes and we secretly watch for the next few weeks if we see them wear that outfit we bought them. And they come up and they say, look at my outfit. Oh, I didn't even notice. <laughs> Liar. We, we wait and see. Or, or how about this? You go to your kid's room and you see that package not even unwrapped, shoved under the bed. That just burns your biscuits, don't it, mom and dad? Now, if you remember when you were a kid or when you had little, little kids, and some of y'all are there right now, but I remember when our, we had our little, little kids, we would spend a lot of money for us, it was a lot of money. And, and, and we would all go out on Christmas and buy them a whole bunch of stuff. Within 60 seconds, there's nothing but boxes and wrapping paper and empty wrapping uh, tubes on the floor. They would have a whole pile of brand new toys, but guess what they were playing with, parents? The boxes. The empty boxes, the, the toilet paper. I mean, give my kids an empty shoe box and a, and a wrapping paper roll, and they would play for hours. Star Wars, knocking pictures off the wall, they, they didn't matter. But that, that's just the way that it is. But see, we're talking about gifts this season, and, and we've been talking about the gift of hope all month long. Because Jesus didn't come to give us a cute story. He didn't come to start a religion. He didn't come to start a revolution in the government. He didn't come to do all of that stuff. He came as the gift from the giver with a capital G. He came to be Emmanuel, God with us, joy with us, hope with us, and peace with us. This is a gift from the Heavenly Father, but like many gifts, you know, what if I told you, Joshua, this gift's gonna change your life, buddy. This gift's gonna, gonna help you out, mom and dad. This, oh, you want this gift. Oh, you want this gift. It's gonna be amazing. It's gonna be great, but I'm gonna save it for later. And we hide it. That's what we're talking about today. We do that very same thing with the gift of hope. We don't understand what we have. See, in order to enjoy a gift, you gotta unbox it. In order to enjoy a gift, you've gotta take it out of the box and then take those 37 twisty ties for that little action figure, that, that miniature screwdriver and change the battery. You gotta do some work to get this thing called hope to apply it to our lives. But so many times we just leave it in this pretty little wrapper from last year. A wrapper of religiosity, a wrapper of containment, a wrapper of, 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 Lord, you can do this, but don't do anything else. And he's given us this amazing gift called hope. Week one was the power of hope. Last week was the anchor of hope. This week we read it in First Peter. I'm going to be sharing with you the idea of Jesus Christ, the living hope. And it was, I, was, I was not laughing, but I, I love what Pastor Eddie has said that, you know, God often speaks through worship and through the word. That song that we sang this morning was already lined up for this week before this message was even, uh, Pastor even asked me to preach. So when it was, I was so excited to see that God was speaking something to his people. So let me just tell you, in case you're wondering what's this hope, it's Christ, 
our living hope, Jesus Christ. And that word hope, listen, it doesn't mean, it means not wishful thinking, but a dynamic hope. As Pastor said earlier, I wanna just kind of pick up where, where he was saying because this was part of the message today. He came during the darkest days. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were hundreds of years of darkness. There was no fresh word of the Lord. There were no prophets. There were no dreams and visions. There were very little, I should say, but nothing to the, nothing to the corporate. The, the, the Isaiahs were gone. Amos was gone. Jose was gone. All these Old Testament prophets, the Elijahs, the Elishas, all that was gone. And it was just spiritual darkness and emptiness and void. When Jesus came, he came to a confused, unwed couple. Jot these scriptures down. In Matthew chapter one, we see the story of Jesus' birth through Joseph's eyes. In Luke chapter one, we see the story through Mary's eyes. It's very interesting to see the two reactions, the two scenarios, but this is what happens in both of them. The stories begin with both of them, especially in Joseph. The Bible says that he was troubled because Mary was found with child. And in those days, it was a big deal. In our days, in our society, in our culture, in our world, it may be something that's like, what's the big deal? You, without taking too much time to go into the, to the, uh, the marriage ceremonies and rites, these guys were basically married. They were betrothed. They were basically married already. And she came up pregnant. This was bringing shame on her, shame on her family, shame on him, shame on his family, and potentially shame on the whole village. This was a big thing in that, in that day in that, that day and culture. In that moment, Joseph, you can see, was tossing and turning, but the Bible says an angel comes to him and comforts him and says, fear not, for this is of God. And the Bible says the next verse, he woke up and was excited. He said he aroused himself from his sleep and went and took Mary. Already in that little story, and it's similar in Mary's, we see that it was a hopeless situation that was turned hope. But this one is one I want to bring out in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. I think we may have it. Some of these we have, some of these we don't. In Luke chapter 2, the Bible says that they took Jesus to the temple to perform the ceremonies and to, be, uh, to, to present himself before the priest and to do all the things that were according to the law. And then you meet a man that you only see once in Scripture. You don't hear about him a whole lot although a pastor did preach a message about him last Christmas or the year before. It was awesome. But you don't hear about this man, this priest, Simeon. You hear about the wise men. You hear about the stable, the shepherds, the manger, the angels, but you don't hear about Simeon. And the Bible says, you can read a story here in Luke 2, 25. It says, behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was a just and devout man waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And the story goes on that he sees Jesus and he cries out to the Lord and he says, Lord, you've allowed your servant to see your deliverer before my death. Now I can depart in peace. Tells us he was an old guy. Tells us he'd been serving God for a long time. Some of you have been serving God for a long time. Some of you have been praying for a long time. Some of you have been fasting for a long time. Some of you have been seeking God for a long time and seemingly there's nothing happening. Take some encouragement from Brother Simeon to know that one day your deliverance is coming. In fact, look at the word he uses. He uses the word, the consolation of Israel. I find of all the words in the vocabulary, he calls Jesus the consolation. So I looked that word up. Consolation means the comfort someone receives after a loss or disappointment. Thank you, brother. 
the comfort someone receives after a loss or disappointment. I found that very interesting that they would use that word to, to describe Jesus. This is why. You have to look at this through the eyes of this prophet. For hundreds of years, even longer than that really, they had been following a Jewish system of going to the tabernacle, going to the feasts, preparing the sacrifices. The priests would come and do the daily duties. They would do the, the offerings for their sin. They would do the offering for their giving. They would do the, all the ceremonies. They would go to Jerusalem. They would do this. They'd been doing it from Moses' time. And Simeon understood and the people of God understood that this is getting us nowhere. We're still the broken people we were. We're still the lost people we were. We were the disappointment to God even because our systems just weren't working. We, we weren't doing it. But the Bible says in this passage right here that God sent the consolation of Israel, the living hope. And let me just speak into your circumstance today, church. Maybe you're in that place of darkness. You have a consolation. You have a consolation, not just of Israel, but of you alive today. The same Jesus that came to Simeon in that temple is the same Jesus that you can call on today. Come on, give him some praise today. I love this because this is what separates us from all the other religions. We just are wrapping up a series on Wednesday night about the religions of the world. And every single one of those religions is a religion based on works, a religion based on a false doctrine, a religion of what can I get out of it, a religion of I got to be better to do better to whatever. Ours is the only religion that has hope. Ours is the only one that has a savior who died and gave himself for us. Ours is the only one with the living, living hope. I love that Mary would look at, at Jesus. Could you imagine that Jesus, he was a living hope, that Jesus grew as a baby, and every time she would see Jesus, even as a toddler, as a young man, she was constantly reminded of what he came to do. When she would feel discouraged or confused, I'm sure she would look at that young man and be instantly comforted and instantly reminded because Jesus wasn't a one and done. The living hope wasn't for a baby in a manger. It's every time Mary looked at him, she saw and reminded that he is the living hope powerful amen I love the fact that he is our living hope because he's still alive the Bible says that he's still alive sitting next to the father interceding for me and for you he's interceding for me and for you every time you and I fail every time you and I do something and, and, and the Lord is there in his righteousness Jesus holds up those nail scarred hands and he says I died for them remember They've trusted me to forgive their sin. They've trusted me. He is alive today making intercession for us. This quote here says, hope comes from believing, but believing what? Ask yourself this. Faith looks to the one who promised. Hope looks to what was promised. Do you hear that? Faith looks to the one who promised, but hope looks to what was promised. You see, faith and hope work together. A lot of times we interchange those words. A lot of times we kind of think they're the same thing, but they're not. They actually work together. They actually work together. Some medications that you take, you have to take maybe multiple medications in order to get the full effect of it. One by itself won't do it. You need one to react and one to react and one to react off of one another. It's the same thing here. Faith and hope work together. I got four things on hope I want to share with you today. First, I just want to throw out there before we get into it is that, listen, hope is needed today. Hope is needed today. This living hope that I'm telling you about, this living hope that we have is needed today. Because, listen, other things can give us hope. 
Other things can give us hope, and hope doesn't come naturally. We need something to give us hope, but we can also have different kinds of hope. You may have heard this quote by Hal Lindsey that says, a person can live about 40 days without food, about three days without water, about eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. Hope is powerful. I remember talking about the different kinds of hope because the world puts its hope in all sorts of things. Hope in people, celebrities, hope in politicians, hope in, hope in all these things. We put our hope in our political party. We put our hope in, in the celebrities on our favorite shows or, or whatever. We put our hope in sports. And if you're a Lions fan, you've been up and down, ain't we? <laughs> we know that some hope is faithful and some hope is, makes you pull your hair out. But I remember a story when I was a young man, um, uh, just to shout out to a very special couple, uh, brother and sister Miracle were were people that I grew up with in our family. Sister Miracle just went to be home with the Lord a few weeks ago. These were great friends of my mom and dad. And and, um, when we were all growing up, me and their youngest son were about the same age. We went to the same school. Mom and dad went out of town for a vacation and and school, it was still during school time. So they had me stay with them because they could take me to school and watch me and that sort of thing. And I remember walking into their house. It was a beautiful house. Sister Miracle always had beautiful wood furniture. It was always really nice. And I remember there was this big, giant, fat bowl of fruit on the table. And I was always really shy when I would go places. I mean, I wouldn't ask for anything. I would, I, but, but man, I wanted that apple. It was big and red. And their youngest son, Jerry Lee, would bring me into the house. And he saw me. He must have seen me eye that bowl of fruit. He said, go ahead and grab it. I said, I'm looking around like I'm doing something wrong. This is how I was. And he goes, just, just grab it. So I grabbed that, that apple, and I felt it was a little weird feeling, but I thought, hey, this must be the good fruit. <laughs> we go to the fruit market. This must have been from the name brand store. <laughs> That's another message for another time. And just as I was getting ready to bite, he said, no, stop. And he began to laugh, and he said, this is a wax bowl of fruit. I had never seen a wax bowl of fruit. But I began to look at it, and boy, it was beautiful. It was shiny. The grapes were green. The apples were red. The oranges were orange. It was just beautiful and shiny. And and that's kind of what I'm talking about today because the hope that the world tries to give you is like that bowl of fruit made of wax. When you're hungry, when you're thirsty, you go to it and you take a bite of sawdust. But the hope I'm giving you today is the hope of glory, the living hope that has no dryness, has vitamins, has juice, has nutrients, it has flavor. The living hope will satisfy you. Not the hope that the world gives. The Bible says in, in, hope, in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says that our hope does not disappoint. Our hope does not disappoint. How many of you ever had something you've been greatly disappointed with? It's that time of year where we're ordering presents online. Have you experienced the joy of seeing something online and ordering it and what you get is nothing like what you ordered? There's some hilarious fails online where they'll show clothing. This is what I ordered, and this is what I got, and it doesn't even look the same. There was a TV show that ordered a new dinette set off of, off of the internet when it came in. It was this big. It was a miniature. <laughs> so they cleared their whole house to get ready for the table, and it was <laughs> this big. That's what it can be, and if you're, if you're not happy, then you'll return it, and we go down that road, and I'm going to do all that. But you know what it talks about being disappointed? I love that our hope does not disappoint because it's living. Now, this thing of living hope is a bit of a two-sided coin. What I mean on one side is that Jesus was a living person and is alive today. He came, he, he, he lived his life. We know the, the gospel message. We know the story. He went to heaven, but he still left us his hope. 
So the living hope is, yes, Jesus is alive. We're not worshiping an idol. We're not worshiping a rock. We're not worshiping a, 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 a system. He's alive. But the hope that he's given us is alive. Is that making sense so far? It's kind of like when you take a little bit of yeast and sprinkle it into the dough. That dough won't react. It won't rise. It won't become bread. The way You've got to sprinkle something in there that can be an agent to cause life. And that is what is happening when Jesus is the living hope, but he has given us alive. In fact, Colossians 1.27 says this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Did you catch that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not the Christ around you, not the mom and dad's Christ. Your Christ in you is the hope of glory. Don't forget it. So the first thing I'm gonna show you is, is hope brings life. We have Colossians 1, 3 through 6. I think we have that one on, on, on the board. It says, we give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of your love for all of the saints, because of the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, of which you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which has come to you as it is also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard it and knew the grace of our God. We have another scripture in Ephesians. Therefore, remember that you who once were alienated uh, Gentiles in the flesh, called uncircumcised by the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, next verse, that that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. These two scriptures go together. In fact, these two phrases of no hope or hopeless are the only two times in scripture they appear in these two passages. Hope brings life. In Colossians, he said that hope that you have heard continues to yield fruit in your life. In Ephesians, he said the hope that you heard made you no longer an alien or, or someone who is distant from the commonwealth, but has brought you in. Hope brings life. Hope is alive and hope brings life. Let me show you something. A, a little while ago, I was watching um, just something on YouTube, and it was, um, it was just this a little video clip of microscience. You know, the scientist had this really strong microscope, and he was showing things uh, in a Petri dish. And it just kind of got me to thinking after, after, after reviewing and kind of getting ready for this message, the Lord brought that back to my mind. Because the principle of having a living hope is very similar to our bodies having an immune system. Now listen to me. Hope is like a spiritual immune system. In this little video, you could see that they had healthy cells, T cells, and other, I'm not a scientist or even a doctor, so I'm not gonna try those names. But in this little Petri dish, he had a bunch of healthy cells in our bodies that are part of our immune system that helps break off uh, diseases and germs and things like that. We know what our immune system does. In this Petri dish, under this really strong microscope, and I think we have a picture of, yeah, this little piece of like what these germs really look like that you can't see them. They actually look like, some of that stuff, they look like monsters. It's crazy. In this little Petri dish, they introduced one drop of a virus into that healthy cell. It was instantly, I mean, it looked like something out of, out of Star Wars or something. Instantly, these cells began to just go right to that virus and actively begin to beat on it. I, yes, they were, it, one of these had arms that would come out and punch it. It was the craziest looking thing. Your body has an immune system that when those germs are introduced, the bacteria is introduced, your, the, the system inside of you without you even knowing it goes right to this virus and it attacks it. 
to kill it. That's why autoimmune diseases are so powerful because that takes away that whole system from your body. It's not that you die from that disease, you die of something very simple. You die of a common cold, you die of an infection that could be treated elsewhere. You, you do all those things. This is what is so powerful. Because there's a spiritual side to life. Because when doubts and discouragement come our way, if we don't have a healthy immune system, they're gonna take us under. Listen to this. Disappointment leads to cynicism. Cynicism leads to negativity. Negativity kills your hope. Did you catch that? Disappointment leads to cynicism, which leads to negativity, which will kill your hope. Some of us have been in the church for such a long time, but our immune system, our living hope has been depleted and we've been taken out by the smallest little thing. Somebody didn't say hi to us. Somebody didn't shake our hand the right way. They didn't sing the right song. They didn't preach the right message. And all of a sudden we leave the church. More importantly, we leave God. It wasn't because of that trivial issue. The trivial issue, that was just the virus. The problem was you had no spiritual immune system and the living hope within you had been quenched by disappointment and by negativity. Listen, it was never God's will for you and I to hold on to trials and things that happened 20 years ago and 15 years ago. We are here to serve a God who is a living hope. We serve a God that is here right now to say, I will restore you. I will forgive you. I will help you. But we've got to let it go and let that immune system of hope fight that discouragement because it's going to come. Amen? Hope is alive. It can be neglected and die, or it can be strengthened and built up. It can be neglected and die, or it can be strengthened and built up. We feed it to build it up. We starve it to weaken it. You and I have an active role to play in our spiritual immune system of living hope. Because when those things of discouragement comes, we have living hope to rise up within us to overcome that. When doubts and, and disappointments and failures come, if we're not careful, it will take us out. Some of us have been out for a long time. And God is saying in 2024, I want you to activate that living hope that's inside of you to overcome those failures, overcome those hurts. Yes, those disappointments are real. Those hurts and failures are real. But overcome that because he's given you the living hope. Amen. Couple of things, listen, because James tells us in one that faith without works is dead. It is possible to have faith, but it's dead. It is possible to have hope, but it's dead. When my dad was going through, about a year ago, this time a year ago, dad was having some really major heart problems. They were looking at open heart surgery, and we were sitting there talking with the surgeon and the cardiologist, and they were describing to us of how weakened dad's heart was because many portions of the muscle were not receiving blood. And he said, all we have to do is reactivate those blood vessels and those veins and those arteries, and much of that tissue will come back to life. And the Lord just sparked it. And we're sitting there talking about that, but my mind immediately went to the verse where, 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 where the centurion told Jesus, hey, my daughter is dead. And he said, oh, she's not dead. She's just sleeping. There's a difference between being dormant and being dead. This has everything to do with our living hope because you've been disappointed, you've had failures, you've had whatever, but God is saying, let my living hope come alive in you to activate that faith, to activate that belief, to activate that hope in your life. Amen? Listen, you, you, can, you can build it up by doing things like sharing your faith. Oh man, the Bible tells us, he that waters gets watered himself. Listen, you need to attend church. I know this is kind of practical, but this is gonna help you. You need to attend church more than a Sunday morning. 
We got some powerful Wednesday night classes. That would change your life. Powerful women's uh, Christmas party. Great men's thing just not too long ago. Life groups are getting ready to start. You should be here as much as you can. As much as you can. Come to church. Get involved in a, in a ministry somewhere. Get involved somewhere. Find a place to serve. Find a place to do something for God. Listen, surround yourself with godly friends. Some people in your life are huge virus and you're, and you're, you need to get rid of that. You need to take a big vitamin C, a big vitamin cross, and say, listen, if you're not going in the same way I'm going, we're just going to have to part ways because, brother, you're too negative for me. Sister, you're too toxic for me. Some of us are so negative, we walk into a dark room and we develop, Pastor Eddie always said. There's a lot of truth in that. If someone gave us a $100 bill, we'd complain it wasn't 250s. Come on, somebody. This is a real thing that can happen to us. We become so negative that we just become toxic, and nobody wants to be around us. Nobody wants to talk to us. Nobody wants to sit at our table, and you want to blame everybody else. It's because you're so toxic, and you're so negative. The living hope will help shatter that. It will help destroy that. Come on, let's keep going. The second thing is this. Hope is resilient. Did you know I did a study on the word hope? Hope has, is found all through the Bible, but in two books of the Bible, it is found in, 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 guess what those two books, the most. The first one is the book of Psalms. The second one is the book of Job. What two books of the Bible do you go to when you're going through a hard time? It's no coincidence. We go to the Psalms and we go to Job. Hope is resilient. I love this because it came from the giver with a capital G, as I said a moment ago. As I said a moment ago, when Jesus came in the darkest times of Israel, it reminds me of another verse that says in Genesis 1, 1, that God came to an empty ball called the earth. And the Bible says it was dark. It was void of, of life. It was shapeless. But the Bible says, but the spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the deep. And then all of a sudden, the next thing that the world heard was the booming voice of the creator that didn't say, let there be light, like our translation. It's one word in the Hebrew, light. And all of a sudden, it came. God began to say land, and it rose out of the ocean. He began to call. As a matter of fact, he didn't even create sun and moon till later. His glory came to brought his own glory. He is the giver of all things alive. He is the giver of all things light because he is the living hope that has given us living hope. Come on, somebody. I love this in, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. It says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus, our Lord, done for us. Next one. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And watch this. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. Look at that. Trials give you endurance. Endurance gives you character, but character gives you hope. You've been serving. You go find, you're going through a hard time. You find somebody that's been serving God a long time. My mom said that she's been through so many trials. Just call her Charcoal Brown because she just, she's just been burnt so many times. But it's people like that that know how to get a hold of God because their faith is not flimsy. Their faith is not flimsy. Do you ever buy something cheap and it breaks right out before you even get home? I hate that. The good stuff ain't cheap, brother, and the cheap stuff ain't good. Hope is resilient. Listen, can I just say, we live in a society that just seems to buckle under the slightest little thing. 
We live in a society that the littlest inconvenience, come on now. We talk about this in ETS. You come to ETS, that's what you're going to hear. <laughs> Our society needs a little bit of grit. Let me just tell you that that has unfortunately swept its way into the church. Every conference we go to, every conversation we have post-COVID, this is the number one thing. How do you get people to get involved again? How do you get people to get involved again? Nobody wants to get involved. Nobody wants to stay involved. It's an ongoing thing. It's because our society has given us that. We need a little bit more grit in our lives to say, like Pastor's been saying that old song, though none go with me, yet I will follow. We gotta, I just got a question. Whatever happened to the Hannahs of the church that would fast and pray daily for his son? Whatever happened to the ladies, like the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years that would get on her hands and knees and crawl through the crowd and get everybody out of the way just to touch the hem of his garment? What happened to the Gideons that would perseek God? What happened to the, to the centurion that said, Jesus, you only got to share the speech the word of my child will live. What happened to these people? God is saying, if you want to see another move of my spirit, then you've got to be willing to pay the price. We've got to be willing to get some grit in our lives. Listen, this word is this. The word resilient means able to spring back into shape after bending, stretching, and being compressed. Able to bounce back. Able to get the rebound. Growing up in high school, we played basketball, and my coach would always say, after we ran 37 suicides, I don't think they call them that anymore. I think they call them a different, gut busters, I think they're called, whatever. You run to you puke, and then we do layup drills, and then we do shot. He would always say, follow your shot, follow your shot, follow your shot, all the time, drinking his Gatorade, whistle, follow your shot, you follow the shot. <laughs> it wasn't until I began to play in a game where I followed my shot, because I missed and I caught it, and I shot it again and scored. Church, we need to learn how to follow our shot because life is gonna disappoint you. You're gonna miss, you're gonna fail. You're gonna have things that didn't go your way. But instead of saying, I know this isn't real. I know there's no God. I shouldn't have gave my money. I know I shouldn't have come to church. I knew because this thing's not real. I, you know, this thing's stupid. No, we've gotta learn how to follow our shot and say, though he slay me, yet shall I trust him because he's a God of a second chance. He's a God of resiliency. He's a God of get off the bench. You still can dribble. You still can shoot. I need you in the game. Woo! Come on now. Give me a few more minutes, will you? Let me just tell you, I believe the Lord wants somebody to hear. Don't be afraid to believe again. You've been disappointed because of failure. Maybe it was a marriage. Maybe it was a ministry. Maybe it was a career. Maybe it was a business. But I believe that with all of my heart. Some of you have allowed the bacteria, the virus of, of shame, of guilt, of unbelief, of disappointment, wreck what God is doing in your life. And he's saying today that he has given you a living hope that is able to bounce back into shape. No matter how far you stretch it, it goes back to its original shape. No matter how much you smash it, it goes back to its original shape. He wants you to know, somebody needs to hear this today, that he wants you to get off the bench and get back into the game because you are needed in the kingdom of God. We have a verse in Hebrews. I love this verse. I got a laser pointer today. How about that? I want to show you something I've never seen before. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, talking about the, the patriarchs. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers. I'm going to show you something. Talking about hope and faith, 
This is hope. You see that? Ooh, look at that. This is hope. Seeing them afar off. They were assured of them. They embraced them. That's hope. The promises, they put their hope, they put their, this is faith. Then they confessed them. Then they confessed them. You see, the powerful thing about your hope is that it is a propellant. It is a propellant. Let me show you my good example. We're going to raise money for this building fund no matter what. <laughs> it's empty. Don't call OSHA. It's empty. But let me tell you something, because this is something we blow past all the time. In the book of Hebrews, right, right, right after that, or right before that, it said that Abraham did this. Moses did that. Samson did this. Solomon did And there's a whole list that we preach about the hall of faith. But sometimes we gloss over the first two words of every single one of those stories. By faith. By faith. Let me tell you something. Hope is not just a passive gift from God. It is a propellant. Like this gasoline. The word propellant means this. A substance that propels something or being capable of propelling something. In this little box, if this were, it's empty, but this is our cute little selves, red for Christmas. It's our cute little self of, of, of hope. Yes, Jesus Christ, my living hope. You don't realize, son, daughter, that in this little box contains a powerful substance. You see, in this little box, this would give fuel to the engine of my car. This, in, inside of this container, would give me fuel to start a fire. I could heat things with this. I could burn things down with this. I could, I could warm up metal to manipulate it with this. The possibilities are endless. We understand the power of this gasoline can. But guess what has to happen for it? I could pour it all over the stage and it won't do nothing. But maybe give us a buzz if we're smelling it. We need this. We need this. As we read, as we read in, in Romans that tribulations give you endurance. It is those times of life, the fires, the disappointments, the failures, the hurts that God is saying, let me ignite that. Turn that into faith. By faith, Abraham tried to follow the obedience and offer his son. By faith, Samson defeated the enemy. Are you getting this today? So instead of having those moments of fire, those moments of tribulation, and we just run away from it, open that can, man, and let that hope come out. And let that hope come out and be a fire. Let that hope come out and be a fire, not only to sustain you through those dark times, but to show everybody else who your God is. So when you have disappointment in life and when you have all these things happen in life that are just threatening to, to take you out and to burn you, let that thing out and turn it into faith. I don't know how. My mom used to sing a song. I don't know how. I don't know when. But he'll do it again. Sometimes you just gotta be reminded. You may not have an answer. How many of you ever, ever prayed your answer for God? Am I the only one that's ever done that? Lord, I need this miracle. Speak to so-and-so to do such and such and my miracle's gonna happen. How many's ever done that? And how many know that God never does that and he gives you a solution from the other side of the world? One time I was praying, I had a financial situation and this a while back and I was praying, Lord, if you just let this deal go through and this and that and none of it happened. But God provided another way. A ram in the thicket, if I could say. God provided another way because just to show me, I felt after that was over, I felt like God was saying to me, I'm just gonna show you that I'm still God. 
and that I'm not in your box. Amen? I'm almost out of time. Let me just kind of skip over a few things. The last thing is this. Well, before we get to the last thing, let me show you this. There's a very powerful little verse that says in Colossians 1.23. It's brought me comfort many, many times over the years. It says this. Don't be moved from your hope. Don't be moved from your hope. If I had time to illustrate, I just don't. Actually, I do. I do. I need somebody. I need somebody. No. Zachariah, come on. I used you last time. Come on, make it quick. Come on. Show Zachariah some love. Come on. This word move, stay right here. This word move is not just like, man, move. Remember at lunchtime when the, the bigger kids would come and say, man, get out of my seat, and you have to move? Remember all that? Was I the only one that had that? <laughs> That's all right, though. I made some friends with some big boys, and it wasn't long till I said, get them. Actually, true story. Some dude did come after me, and my, my homies came around like him and had him sweating. He left the school. Long story short, this, this word move, that he says, don't be moved from your hope. Pretend, pretend you're hope, okay? You, you're, just, you're just hope. See, the enemy wants to come and move you from your hope. Now, that was way too easy, man. Come on, do those devotions. Move you from your, there we go. So the enemy comes in and he tries to move you. Come on, there we go. Now he's got the hands out of his pocket, okay. You gotta learn how to move. Now some of us do this, move, I mean, they do this. So easy, so easy. And the enemy has you dying inside of negativity, of disappointment and grief. But when someone has a strong immune system, someone who's lit on fire, someone who is a man filled with living hope, the devil comes and that's as far as he can go because this man will not be moved. Come anything the devil has, he will not be moved. In fact, come on, push me. In fact, he said, devil, get out of my way. Devil, you get out of my way because I know who I serve and my hope does not disappoint. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to end with this. We're going to end with this. Zach, you might as well stay up here, man. You're going to be on keys. <laughs> hope is alive. Hope is resilient. Hope is a propellant. Hope is to be spread. This last scripture, 1 Peter 3, 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You may have seen a movie or heard a character quote that says the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loudly for all to hear. <laughs> That's not in the Bible. Some of y'all are trying to look at that. <laughs> Listen to this story. We are agents of living hope to be living hope to a dying world. All these family get-togethers and you meet up with them and it's been hopeless this and hopeless that and just another year and all those cliches we like to throw out. How about this time you be the living hope to that Christmas party? You be the living hope. And they say, hey, what is it about you? What is it about your, your speech? What is it about your spirit? And you can say, because I have a living hope. Because yes, failure's all around me. Disappointment's all around me. But I know in the God in whom I serve. In 1913, a toy maker by the name of A.C. Gilbert Alfred Carlton Gilbert. I think we might have his picture. He was a toy maker. He was an inventor who made a very wonderful invention called the Erector Set in 1913. 
And it was in this beautiful box. They actually made a movie of him, I think back in the 90s maybe, like a made-for-TV movie, The Man Who Saved Christmas, I think it was called. Just a neat little story of this guy's life. He created this thing called the Erector Set. And he would go from toy, story, toy, sto- toy store to toy store to village to village, city to city, selling this Erector Set. And he would sell them, but what happened is nobody was buying them. They just were sitting on the shelves for periods of time, and nobody would buy them. He began to get discouraged. He was trying to make a name for himself, trying to make a business for himself. And he began to get discouraged. Zach, you can start to play. Worship team can make their way. He began to get discouraged. He began to, to just be saddened, and he was ready to give up hope. And, and the story goes that there was one night when him and his wife were expecting a, a child, and she was swollen. She was ready to give birth. And, and in that moment, he's kind of talking to the baby in the womb. You know how we do. And he says this line. He says, I can't wait for you to come out of there so I can see you. And he has an epiphany. He just has a, a light bulb just goes off. And the story goes that he races in the middle of the night to the, toy, to the toy store of his town. He gets inside, and he spends all night working. And then the camera shows the next morning, the toy store is surrounded by people that are just staring into the window. And what do you think they're looking at? Well, what he had done is he had realized that this amazing invention, he knew it would bring joy to people, imagination to people, inspiration to people. Nobody knew what it was because it was in a box. So he emptied every single one of his boxes to make this whole elaborate concoction of erector set stuff. Cranes and motors and gears and pulleys all, and it was just amazing. He said, I just needed to take it out of the box so people could see what it really does. And the rest is history. Sales take off. He creates an industry. He actually creates a factory that produces bombs in the world war. He literally was a powerful man in that industry and a great asset to our country. Church, can I challenge you with the same thing from A.C. Gilbert? Let's take that out of the box by just exercising it, by just by not making it what we say, but what we do and who we are. Let's stand to our feet today, and we're going to have response time. And listen, altar team, you can get in position. Worship team, you can get in position. This has been kind of our song. We've been singing every week. It just kind of fell into place. But listen, there's, 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 I feel like there's just four categories of response today, and hopefully you can do this today. Number one, maybe you're in this place, maybe you're at home, and you've never even received the gift. Everything I've been saying doesn't apply to you because you haven't received Jesus Christ. Without receiving Jesus Christ, the promises of God have no effect in your life. They have no promise in your life. If God decides to do that, that's all on him for being just benevolent and loving. But you're not owed anything from the man upstairs until you receive Jesus Christ. And he doesn't become the man upstairs. He becomes your Lord and Savior. Maybe that's you. You need to respond today. Maybe you have weak hope. Maybe you say, Steve, I just, I got weak hope, but man, I just, it's it's like I'm sick inside. I'm just full of despair. I'm full of negativity. Maybe that's you today. Or maybe that you've got some hope, but you don't know what to do with it and you don't know how to apply it. God is saying, I want to ignite that hope into a fire of faith. I want this year to be a year of faith for you and your family. Or maybe you need the bounce back hope. Maybe you need the resiliency to say, man, I got hope. I'm just tired. I need to be able to bounce back. If that's any of you, I'm gonna invite you to come to the altars, meet with a prayer team person, and they're gonna pray over you. Let's go ahead and sing today. Come now, don't wait. Don't have-
Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Light, that every time you tune in, that God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.